0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Cantorian podcast here. We've got a couple of episodes back-to-back. In fact, one happened with my friend Meryl from the radio show at 100.7 San Diego, where we uh, talked to Slim Jim Phantom of the Stray Cats. They're back together again. Uh. Excuse me. After 40 years, which is just insane. And as a kid, I freaking loved... Love the Stray Cats, because before I moved to LA, I was born on the East Coast and uh, lived in Long Island, where the Stray Cats are from, Massapequa. And when they broke, when I was like eight years old, it was such a big deal, and I've been a fan ever since. So we've got that coming up here, and uh, we're going to start off, though, with an interview we did with Wilfred the Dog, if you know that show on FX with Elijah Wood. Wilfred is going to be in town on 420 one of our sponsors march and ash hosting wilfred and we talk about that here in the forthcoming discussion along with uh, the trials and tribulations that go along with working in hollywood cuz he had a hit show and now the last couple of years pitching shows things have been sold but he's not working which is why he started this cannabis company that we're going to talk about here in a few I do you want to thank our, our other sponsors as well including Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. You can check them out online at BajaBound.com. And uh, they've got the best deals, auto rates. You want to make sure if you're traveling to Mexico that your belongings are protected, whether it's your vehicle, a boat, mountain bike, motorcycle, whatever. They got you covered. Baja Bound, BajaBound.com. In business for decades. We'll be going down the Mex this summer, and I always hook it up. In fact, planning a trip to Scorpion Bay looking forward to staying at the scorpion bay hotel one of our forthcoming sponsors the folks down at scorpion bay where i'll get to take out my new josh hall surfboard which uh, i'm so excited about and also the scooter farm if you've got a scooter kit in your house and uh, for all your surf and skate needs and apparel head on into south coast surf shops with uh, five locations in san diego okay cool all right Wilfred the dog what's up dog looking wrong What's the word, my man? How's life treating you?
1: Oh, it's great, you know, I mean every day is an adventure in the uh the cannabis uh industry. Um uh, after Wolf had finished, I think it was like three years ago, I've I've sold several uh pilot scripts um off the off the strength of some pitches. And, uh, none of them have been made. Um, I've been paid, thankfully, but none of them have been made. So I've been sort of, um, in my office for like three years working by myself, which is sort of quite an isolating, you know, frustrating process. But now that I've entered the cannabis industry, you know, it's, there's not a, there's not a dull moment every day. I'm, I'm ducking off to a different city or, uh, I'm doing tasks that I'd never, um, did before in my previous career. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's exciting.
0: And you're and you're obviously originally from Australia, where you experienced profound success developing the show Wilfred, correct?
1: Yeah, this, we actually wrote the short film um, back in uh, November 2001. That's how. That's uh, 18 years ago. I, um, I was I was sleeping on a, on my buddy's uh, sofa and uh, just pulling bongs, and uh, he came home from a date. Um, That was a disaster because he he, he'd been blocked by a dog by this this date's dog and he came home and told me about it and I just sort of uh, started acting as the dog a bit like De Niro from Meet the Parents interrogating him just for a (laughs) laugh and we were in stitches and we said look that's a short film and we wrote it down and then we shot it that weekend and it had unprecedented success for a short film. Really, it, it went to uh, it won a bunch of things at Tropfest, which is the world's biggest short film festival. That went right. to Sundance, Palm Springs, uh, Cork, and uh, with the off the off the um, the prize money and, and film stock, we won from those festivals. We we shot a pilot in Australia, and um, we shot us uh, we 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 sold it to a, actually a cable network first, and they and but then they 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 balked on it and they didn't produce it. So we sold it to another network and um, <clears throat> we won a season and the show, they weren't going to go for a second season but, the, but eventually the, the marketing department said this, the DVD sales for Wilfred were the biggest that the network had ever had and they just kept growing and they had this sort of word of mouth and so they brought back a second season like two years later and then we brought the concept um, over to America and my my ambitions were Excuse me. We're quite humble, really. I just still figured that I, if we could make an American Wolf for it, they might let me be a staff writer on the show. <laughs> and then once um, everyone caught wind of it, my then agents and then to be managers, once said the same thing: oh, you got to be in that. You got to be in this thing." So I, I kind of overachieved and became uh, an executive producer and star in this uh, this kind of hit um, American series with with Elijah Wood and and, and Robin Williams. Um, came on, that was his first uh, appearance on a television. Oh my series, gosh, I remember,
0: I had forgotten about that. You're right, obviously you're right, it was your show. <laughs> yeah. But I forgot about that, that's
1: incredible. <laughs> well, well, it, it gets more incredible because I had two shows in Australia, um, Wilfred and Mark Love Sharon, and both, um, and, and my Mark Wehry character was a spin-off from a sketch comedy show that I did with Rebel Wilson. And it was a very popular character, more ca- more popular than Wilfred actually. And uh, and um, shooting Wilfred in Australia wasn't a fun process for me, so I, I wasn't overly keen to do a lot more of it. And my my the guy that became my American manager called me up one day because there was interest in Mark Love Sharon as a format in America. And he said, uh, "Look, I know you don't want to um, uh, get play the dog again." I said, "I'm not getting in that dog suit again." He said, "Hear me out." <laughs> he said, "If if." this could potentially be your Mork and Mindy. He said, like Robin Williams and the Alien, everyone's going to remember the dog. And even if the show isn't a huge hit, you're always going to be able to walk into any room, pitch any show, because everyone's going to remember. Well, if it doesn't work, they'll say, hey, well, he was a guy dressed in a dog suit. Fair enough. But it was it was bold and it left an impression. Right. And, and and I said to him, look, Mork and Mindy was my favorite show as a kid. It's, hard. it's a hard argument. If you can sell it, I'll do it. And he sold it and i did and i did it and then like season three robin williams was um was a guest he he actually he actually reached out to me through elijah they were promoting happy feet Two, and uh elijah sent me an email and he said uh, i'm working with robin williams at the moment and he wanted to reach out and tell you that him and his wife are huge fans and they think you're hilarious and and they're playing a character on the show I walked straight in the writer's room and said to the showrunner, um, Robin Williams wants to be in our show as a guest. I can't and even he,
0: imagine.
1: He, he, uh, Zuckerman turned and he said, we've we, we got no characters there, we've broken, we've broken the series. I said, i repeat, Robin Williams wants to be in our show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make something for him. So we did. And, uh, and I, <clears throat> I told the story to Robin when he was on set. and We became very close friends. And, uh, and, and I told him about how um, my manager had said that I, I, I could be able to potentially design my career design my career like robin williams and he laughed hysterically at that because his uh he said his career was anything but other than but but designed you know and there was several times in his career that he really thought that he was out in his ass and that it was never going to happen that's amazing
0: (laughs) yeah it's so so incredible to think about when you put it through the filter of robin williams and like you said just the uh Just the hustle, and I know you've been on the hustle for a while, as you mentioned when you first popped on. Since the series wrapped, last three years you've been hustling, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, since I've been in the States, I think I've sold five concepts from, you know, pitching. And it's a, it's a, the, the the toughest part of a show is that initial development stage, you yeah. know, where you get a, you have a, a, a granule of an idea, you develop it, and the characters, and you need a pilot story, and you need, you need a rough idea for the first season arc, you need an idea for the whole series arc. You develop your pitch, you go in with your with your production team, and you go from you know network to network and studio to studio pitching this thing, and and um, and I've had a I've had a really good success rate with with selling pitches, but networks buy uh, a large large number of scripts, and they produce um, very few, and uh, and even fewer get um, get uh, go to series right. uh, pilot and. Uh, and so when, and then often, you know, like something will happen, like someone will buy an idea and they're, they're behind it, but, you know, it takes six, nine months to develop a, a script with a, with a network and then suddenly they'll leave and they'll get fired or they'll move somewhere else and then the new people that come in, they don't want that. They, don't want, they want to bring their, their own personality and ideas into the, the network, so it, it's over. And sometimes you get your script back and you can sell it around, but other times you can't. And so it's just like, okay, start again and you gotta and then you build this all up again. And it can be demoralizing. And even though it's a, you know, you're still getting paid for it, um, you know, people f- f- for years now have been like my fans are like, What are you doing? What are you doing? And I, and each time I'll be like a mad scientist in my office, Oh, wait till you see this, I'm concocting yeah. my next show. You can only teased, that only works for happen. so long. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. So Man, yeah, I've been yeah. working on the the cannabis company for a couple of years now. And um, and I I shot a uh, commercial for it like a year ago, and I've been sitting on it quietly, working away, like you know, and and resisting the temptation to tell people about it until I launched the the, the soft social media launch about it. And uh, it's just so nice again to be creating content and that that the fans are like excited about, and to to get that um, that firsthand. Feedback of just how much of an incredible impact um, the Wilford show and the Wolf character has had on uh, so many people.
0: Yeah, and, and was the transition seamless in- into the cannabis industry from going from that? Because I always wonder, you know, like you said, you kept it under wraps and stuff. Were you ever <laughs> concerned that announcing that you're embracing and getting involved in cannabis was that going to hurt your chances in Hollywood? Did you ever? Were you ever concerned about that?
1: Look, I've never been really over, i I've always kind of marched to the, the, the beat of my own drum, and uh, and and Wilfrid's concept right from the very beginning was re- is really kind of out there, and I, I think one, it's one of the things that's worked for me and against me in a way. It's kind of like, we want some networks, but we want some radical like thinking. We need Gann in here. And then right. they say, like, yeah, that's too radical. That's too radical. Well, this that's network. Too we yeah. Want we this need something theory. safer. Uh, yeah, and so... Um, But you know, I mean, Wilfred in the very first short film um, pulled a bong in the first, you know, fifteen seconds of the short (laughs) film. So um, the cannabis was in the DNA of this uh, show from the beginning. And but it wasn't. We never set out to make a stoner comedy. It was just that I happened to be a stoner, and that that I just put it in there, you know. And so uh, it, it has been. There's been nothing seamless about my entry into the industry because it's a tough in- it's a tough industry to enter without doubt. But as far as um, the reception of people uh, receiving me into the industry, it's, it really has been uh, uh, with open arms you know, predominantly. I fir- the first thing I um, I really entered I appeared. I, I went down to um, Cana, Mexico last year um at uh the former president vicente uh, fox's uh estate and his right. ranch and i stayed there and it was like a two day thing and i and i went down there with um as a, as a sort of a i guess a celebrity guest and i was uh, i had you know um i'd shot the 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 forty second commercial i took that with me i'd had a bunch of you know cool business cards and uh and some um i had some great print work uh, design uh, graphics uh art, Done with you know Wilfred on a horse like the Marlboro Man and some other some really cool images and I I took it down there and um, I was actually overwhelmed like it was I, like people don't genuinely recognise me when I'm walking down the street um, without the suit but I was recognised <laughs> so much at this, uh, this this festival and I and I realised wow I'm a kind of a, a bit of a star at this uh, at this event and um, and since then um, you know I've recently you know, I'm involved in every I've been bootstrapping this, uh, this company. It's, it's self-funded and, and I'm in LA right now, you know, um, cold calling dispensaries and trying to get it on the shelves. And so, um, I'll know when I walk in wearing my Wolford t-shirt and when I point to them and said, you know, this guy, I'll know they're from their face straight away, whether it's going to be an easy sell or a tough sell <laughs> based on and whether or uh, not they and- watch yeah and and when and, and and when i see that big smile come across their face when they've seen it it's kind of like you know whether i whether i sell it or not this is going to be a fun conversation
0: yeah and i know that's the relationship you have going on here in san diego with one of our sponsors march and ash which uh, and granted i'm biased because they are a sponsor but the the nicest dispensary in all of san diego and that's kind of kind of the deal that happened there right you walked in with your shirt and you're like hey will you carry my product and next thing you know you're appearing at their 420 party in the costume
1: (laughs) yeah that's right that's right it's the the first time that um it's the first time ever that, any, that, that, that fans have had an opportunity to, to meet Wilfred. Um, as I say, run their fingers through his fur, tell, them, <laughs> tell him their secrets, smoke his weed. Um, so uh, it, yeah, like they were—they're were just such a great bunch there, and it, you know, hands down the most beautiful store I've ever seen for a start. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited about uh, a future partnership with those guys. And so yeah, I'll be down there. Um, at eleven o'clock, or sorry, Woolford will be down there at eleven <laughs> o'clock um, on uh, on four twenty. Um, I'm really excited to uh, to be down there.
0: So when it comes to the suit and the show and every, it sounds like you obviously still own all the rights to the character in the show, being the creator, right? Because you can go out and do the stuff where if you were dressed as Mickey Mouse or Goofy, it wouldn't fly.
1: I wish it was that easy. No. It's um not. No, I've had to seek uh seek approval and rights for uh for for everything because uh you know, um I'm uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a creator of the show, um I very early on, you know, you know, I guess naively, um you know, um shared almost kind of assigned rights over I'm a shared I'm a shared shareholder part shareholder of the Wolfroot entity. But um when we sell, when we sell the show to um networks, they kinda of become they become the owners of it, you know. And so you have to I have to um get a get approval and rights via FX essentially.
0: Damn. So did you get so any pushback it, when it came to the whole cannabis entering the cannabis space with the character?
1: No, they were very supportive. There's a lot of I mean, FX were all, always very uh fantastic uh, you know, um Network with um, with uh, with, the, with, the, with the show, and they've because uh, it's not just um, in the cannabis um, industry. Uh, you know, I, I want to use a character. I want to use them for live performances, and uh, so they've been really good with letting me do that. They 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 always said the sad FX don't want to hold back their um, their partners, um, and so they've been really uh, really cooperative with me, and uh, I mean. Similarly to the to the short film and the, the very first short film and the Australian series and the and the American series, um, the first, you know, Wilfred's pulling bongs within the first you know, right. thirty seconds that you actually <laughs> meet him. So, um, I think generally attitudes towards cannabis in California, especially, are a lot more relaxed, and it doesn't have that stigma of like, oh, we don't want to be associated with anything cannabis
0: related. Yeah. What about? I am curious though. What are the what's the culture like with cannabis in Australia? compared to the uh, culture here in Southern California. How do you compare the two and where are the differences?
1: Oh look, it's um it's a huge culture, but it's all underground. Um, and I like I c I can't see in the near or even long term future companies like, you know, Wolf of Cannabis um, entering the Australian market because the 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 government is a very, um, uh, you know, they're a real nanny state and they're very controlling of um, of, of anything like that. And they, um, they're very. I mean, it's 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 medically medical marijuana is is, is legal right now, but you got to jump through so many hoops to prove that you need it. Mm. You, you really you really need to be very very sick to access it. What if you're busted then, with
0: it in Australia? Is it considered a big deal if you get caught with is. weed? It, it is. It
1: still is. I mean, when I when I was um, when I was I first was living, I've been in, in California for eight years now, and when I first went back to Australia, I was very uh, very very nervous about you know um, partaking in in uh, in any you know in cannabis because um, and, and for that reason, I never despite. Having a passion for cannabis for you know a quarter of a century, I never ever grew any because I just knew I just I always had it at the back of my mind that I wanted to potentially come and work in the states one day, and the criminal convictions that you get for cannabis are a are kind of extreme, kind of
0: extreme. Yeah, as a grower, um,
1: and they're very, um, and they're very also uh, like with um, kind of draconian with uh, with like say, well with um, drive. With driving, with um, with with drug tests and stuff like that, like they uh, they they will they they'll bust up. <laughs> they'll mess you up. Yeah, well um, we're so here, hearing... we you don't mess with Australian cops. But uh, yeah, so it's just a very different culture. And also, like what what they've done was a big thing personally. With uh, I mean, they, don't get me wrong, they do have uh, big a big beginning industry in the medical marijuana. But I think it's like like one or two major players, and they're partnered up with the government, and it's very be very very difficult you couldn't just do what i'm doing here
0: no way um, yeah in, based in, on in, what in you're Australia. telling me there's no way and it's funny nah. you talk about the driving and stuff i was just and i don't condone this activity but i was just mm-hmm. on the freeway the other day and saw somebody driving a tesla in auto mode Ripping a bong rip, <laughs> <laughs> ripping a bong rip in a Tesla yeah. driving in auto yeah. mode down the five freeway. Oh don't I don't recommend or condone, but no, no, I did no. have to laugh um, that the culture is different here. But there's still stigmas you're fighting through, which is why I do. I'm sensitive to it, man. I'm very yeah. sensitive being a person who works in radio and has my own little media thing and kids, even at this stage. You know, I, I keep a distance or I keep the industry at arm's length, even though. You know they sponsor all my endeavors you know
1: yeah no i'm all in i'm all in right. you know i've been, I've been an it. advocate for, for many years and uh in fact before i before i would moved over here i um i'd actually you know i'd actually had taken a taken i hadn't smoked uh, cannabis for a while you know i just it, i just sort of lost interest a little bit in it and i came back and i hadn't for a better smoked any for a, a, a year or more and and i came I was living in West Hollywood and I was just um, just moved in there and i we were about to shoot the pilot with wilfred and I thought I'd go and walk around and check out my new neighborhood and i'm as i 'm walking down the street i'd forgotten altogether maybe I'd heard years ago that cannabis had uh medical marijuana laws here and uh, california had and i i 'm walking past I see this like fluorescent like, light, this, uh, this, I thought, That's, that looks like a, a marijuana leaf. And as I'm looking at it closer, <laughs> this voice comes out of the wall, this little microphone says, hey, ready, come on inside, have a look around. I'm like, well, I felt like I was like Alice in Wonderland, I and I like, was going on here. Yeah, I remember so those I, I, years. I, I, he said, I went and checked it out, and I, I felt like I was in um, you know Willy Wonka's laboratory. You know. I couldn't believe all the... the and, and I said, out of loyalty to my former self, I had to take up smoking weed again. And I was like, oh, I'll have a loose Skywalker, I'll have that, I'll have one of them, I'll have one of them. And yeah. it was, uh, it I really just, it just seemed like just so un, so cruel to the to the to the guy that had grown up, uh, you know, smoking whatever you could get. I know. Uh, but, stealing it, years, stealing it from oh, your dad's yeah.
0: drawer, your buddy's <laughs> older brother. And I, I remember, you know, you're talking shit with your friends, saying, can you imagine one day walking into a seven? 11 and asking for a pack of joints like you're asking for cigarettes yeah. and what can you do yeah. now you can walk into a dispensary and ask for a pack of joints that just that alone trips my I balls. Know.
1: Well, look that's that's and that's a big part of uh why i'm doing it because uh i've always liked doing i've always wanted to do things that no one's ever done before you know and, and I, get uh, that. I mean there was a, i always talk about a scene in, uh, in in one of the episodes of wilfred where um wilfred uh gives fellatio to a voodoo doll of himself (laughs) and uh and um as uh, when we came up in the writer's room i said this this is i don't need to have seen every hour of television ever produced to know that this has never been done on television and that's why like moments like that are still my like my favorite moments because you know you're pioneering you're you're breaking your ground i get it and um and uh australia's Woolford is the most successful Australian television format that's come to America and been reproduced here. So already I've kind of done something historical even though my my my, my bank balance doesn't necessarily reflect that. I get you uh, but but uh but then to then take a character from that and then turn it into build a, a cannabis business, a legal cannabis business, it's like in my wildest dreams when I started doing this I could not have I could not have dreamt dreamt of doing that, So, which is, I just have to do it. I have to do it for that reason alone.
0: Well, I can't wait to meet you, man. 420, April 20th over at March and Ash. I can't wait to uh, share some uh, good story with you and other things, (laughs) too.
1: (laughs) Get in in early before the uh, the fur gets too sweaty. Uh, Before you get too stinky
0: and all the people petting on you. Well,
1: (laughs) definitely appreciate (laughs) your time. When I start growling. After three hours in the suit, and I start growling, and I was like, as long as I'm I'm fed and watered.
0: No, this is uh, so interesting, man. I really love this, and I can't wait to hang out with you in or out of suit, man.
1: Too Too fun. I look forward to it. Yeah,
0: hell yeah. All right, that's Wilfred the dog. Be sure to check him out over at March and Ash, one of our sponsors here, along with BajaBound.com, Mexican Auto Insurance, The Scooter Farm, South Coast Surf Shops, and Slim Jim Phantom. The drummer for the Stray Cats joining us now. I told you it was a twofer today to talk about the Stray Cats' forthcoming show. Their first time playing in San Diego, 27 years, and on top of that, they've got a new record coming out as they celebrate their 40th anniversary. Slim Jim Phantom. Hey, what's up, legend?
2: Going <laughs> good, pretty good. I feel pretty legendary. I just woke up and I'm, I'm getting
0: there. You getting there? Nice. Now you're legendary in my world. I've been a a a stray cats fan for what are we on forty years now? It's so crazy. Wow. Man, even before I liked them. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I'll tell you. Took you a while. Took you a while to get into the groove. Nah, please. You got a new record coming out after twenty six years? How nuts is that?
2: Well, it's really what it's all about to go out and play live. Because if you're not adding new songs, it's just to the band mainly, and then that. transpires to the, um, to the people you just really going and trotting it out you know we're very very kind of proud that we we're able to make a brand new album that's not just not just the oldies man it's yeah. really something different and uh fresh and to go out and play it live makes everything else feel fresher than too
0: yeah and tell me how did this all come about like that moment where you guys got together and said let's just do this it's been over a quarter century Let's let's do it and do it like we used to. How did that all happen?
2: Well, we had um, some shows last year. The main one being um, Viva Las Vegas, which is a big celebration of all things rockabilly and the the whole scene of it, really. Yep. And uh, when that sold out, and there was a lot of excitement about it, we decided to see if there was a few more out there. And um it really it really spurred everyone on to go out and see twenty thousand kids who were very much inspired by this movement, I guess, that we started in Massapequa in nineteen seventy nine. Uh, it was uh, it was an international thing. Yeah. Kids from Brazil had a big Brazilian flag with a straight cat's head in the middle of it and the American kids had a stars and stripes and straight cat's head and all the stars. <laughs> like it was like, rockabilly had kinda come all the way there. Yeah, felt very responsible for it, and very and kind of proud, you know, watching a child grow up and then you know graduate or something. So, uh, so uh, and we all got along very well and played very well. So, um, a few more shows got offered. The last we did four or five last year. The last two being um, down in Orange County at the fair. Yep, and they both sold out, and it was just a very very special night. And kind of quickly right after that. Um, uh, when We were speaking. Brian said, "I've been knocking around a few songs, You're interested in trying to put parts to them, and tell me what you got for it." So, well, of course, Lee and I both said yes, and he started to send demos over the uh, online, just little him him playing acoustic guitar and singing, which is kind of cool in the first How place. Just getting that right, yeah, just to get so, that—that's gold. We both worked on parts and um, called him back and said, "Hey, I got this. I made a little thing here, but I'll play." So. Uh, that kind of led to behind the scenes the um, the management. We we found a studio. I found a producer, and within about a month, it happened very quickly. So by October, mid October, we were in the studio. We went to Nashville, and um, and we're very prepared for it. So everyone decamped, lived in Nashville for about a month, and, and we just every day it was very. Um, Every day we went in the studio. Everyone turned up at noon. We took a break for lunch. Worked until eight. Everyone said Good night, We came back the next day at noon. It was very for us yeah. you know, regimented. We late, and things were yeah. a bit haphazard, and you know, everything gets done. But this time it was very kind of regimented and dare I say adult
0: for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to say it. Well, it's funny you say adult, but I, as I mentioned when we first signed on here, I've been, I've been a fan since a kid. You yeah, as a kid and you mentioned Massapequa because I grew up in Nassau County in Long Island and okay you guys, you guys are Glen Head Roslyn okay sure yeah so my you guys my father's place yeah my father's place exact legendary yes, venue under Northern Boulevard yes. Yep. And you guys know were just well. legendary because you'd play there all the time and just this, these Long Island guys who were just, and I still feel this way about you, the coolest guys in any room, mm-hmm. man. I, I wish I could be a quarter <laughs> as cool as a stray cat. <laughs> <laughs> a quarter, an eighth <laughs> as cool as Slim Jim Phantom, who's on with us right now.
2: Uh, we had some cool guys in Massapequa, though. We had the Baldwin guys. Yep. Um Van Patton, and Dee Snyder. We had a pretty Seinfeld. We had a lot of cool guys. You're Our right. town.
0: That's so funny. I forgot. Yeah, Seinfeld from Massapequa. I knew about the Baldwin brothers. Now uh, you haven't played San Diego. I- I'm reading a stat here in 27 years, which blows my mind. Because yeah. do you know what a big rockabilly town San Diego is? It's nuts.
2: I I think so. Like uh, some some of the mis I not
0: know. Right, where misperception, but that we found over the years is.
2: When we first started doing it, we were uh, 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 intrigued and uh, like in a legendary way not the American South. We just wanted to live in Massapequa like we thought Elvis Presley lived in the early days of Memphis. (laughs) Walking around town like that, sleeping late, going to the diner, buying thrift uh, store clothes, shopping, playing the the gigs at night, which is probably true. But we were convinced that's how Elvis and those rockabilly guys lived. So we were just trying to live that way in New York. And Later, when you travel around the world, and that the American South isn't really the most popular place for this music, even though it came from there. Right. Um, all around the world is very popular: London, Paris, all the world capitals, Tokyo, Sydney, Australia. But I think and the biggest hotbed for it is right here in SoCal. Isn't
0: it crazy? Exactly.
2: It's very closely linked to car culture, which is which is you know the best here because of the weather I think and, um, um, and it really goes hand in hand with that and I think for these people who want to live that kind of lifestyle 24-7 round the round the clock around the year you can do it here with the weather Yeah. so when we came to, to um, the first time to California and especially Southern California our first album Built for Speed was gold gold record half a million sales in California it's amazing so like when you tell me that I do kind of know it in a Really a positive way, it's, yeah, dude. It, I know it's, it's next
0: uh, level. It really because is. I live
2: here. I mean, I came here the first time, and just never left. I came to play the Roxy and just never went home. So it's um, I, I, I love it here.
0: I get San, that San Diego. You're also working with Surf Dog Records, and we know the whole crew at mm-hmm. Surf Dog. So you have a local right. connection here in San Diego too.
2: Yes, we do. Their offices are right down um, in Sanitas. Yeah, I and know. um, oh, we have a big connection down there, and it's uh, again. I'd rather be connected to around here than anywhere else <laughs> San I'll happily drive to San Diego for a I gig. Feel no you, problem. Buddy.
0: Well, all three original members are back. The Stray Cats, the new record 40, is in stores May 24th. You can pre-order it now. And your first headlining show in San Diego, 27 years happening at Humphrey's. One of the greatest venues in town, and that show goes on sale at ten this morning. Oh, and Merrill is more interested, I think, in your dogs than yeah, your music. Yeah, I love your dogs. Yeah, that's what we fun. hear. is that it's one of the best venues anywhere. I I hear a dog in the background. Is it what kind oh, of do- yeah. what kind of dog do you have? He
2: is uh, well. He's a lucky one. I know that. Um, <laughs> he's like we've boiled it down, he might be a Mexican hairless. Oh, like he looks like a Chihuahua. Meets a Dachshund. Meets a bull. Meets a Meets oh, a how cute. Five years and he went from the, from the outhouse to the penthouse for sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, awesome. If
0: you want to uh, bring him to San Diego, I'll help, help dogs it. Oh, okay. You sure just drop way. him off at the studio. A yeah. As well. yeah, why well, not? While you're playing Humphreys, we'll look after your hairless <laughs> dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it, Cantori and you. Thank you to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for providing our background music. And thank you to Slim Jim Phantom, Wilfred the Dog. That's quite a show. We had a stray cat and a dog on. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, be sure to support all our sponsors and check out the stray cats over at Humphreys and Wilfred the Dog over at March and Ash. Until next time, Cantori and you, the podcast. Thank you for supporting. You mean the world to me. And thanks to our patrons as well. You can find us on patreon.com under UYEW with a special shout out to Mariposa Ice Cream, the best homemade ice cream on the planet. R.I.P. Dick.